You're listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast by Sam and Brian Dostal. Everything sports, all the time. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to finally another edition of your favorite sports podcast. It's the Sports Brothers Podcast. Let's introduce ourselves, Sam. It's been a long, long time. I'm Brian Dostler, the youngest of the four of the two brothers, four years apart, and your name is? Sam. Sam. Nice to meet you, Brian. Nice to meet you. I think this is the longest stretch we've spent in this house together since middle of June. Something like that before the Connecticut Tigers. Yeah. It's good to have you back, right? I should say, is it, it's, it's, is it good for you to have me back since I'm technically back home? For Counting down break? the days until you go back to school. So am I. So at least there's two of us on the same boat here. So All right, so again, it's been a while since we've had a podcast, but it's Christmas break, so we said, why not? Let's talk sports and put it on the Internet so everyone can hear it. Um, so for today's show, it's going to be more than just baseball. Odell Beckham Jr., Josh Norman, they got a little discussion the other day on Sunday. A little rift? Little, little, they had a, little diff- a few differences. We'll talk about one that. One or two. Yeah, just one or two. NFL playoff race. Uh, just a bunch of storylines. We're going to week 16. I mean, it, we still don't know who half the seeds are going to be. A lot of fun. Sam has a back on the radar. Then we're going to go over our best free agents, still available in Major League Baseball. And now, folks, in the last 12 hours, two players have signed with both teams, or two two players have signed with two different teams. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll talk about the NBA a little bit and college basketball. And, of course, we will end the show with the fan favorite, Stumpta Bro. But, Sam. Christmas, it's just three days away. It's December 22nd. What is your favorite holiday tradition? Um, well, I don't know if can it, I don't know if it's really a tradition. We've gone four times, and we went on Sunday for the second straight year. The Boston Pops. Man, I love the holiday pops. Fantastic. Oh, and this year's show might be because I, because I just went, but I think it's the best ever that I've been to. It was fantastic. Symphony Hall in Boston. Dwayne Moody. What a voice. Great times. The merry little sing-along at the end. Brian didn't sing, though. He was he was a bit of a uh, Scrooge. I was a little bit. He also took a nap during the show. I also took a nap during the show. Folks, keep in mind it was the first part, and I didn't recognize. I think the only song I recognized in the first part was Hallelujah. doesn't matter. It's still, I know, I know. still great jam. It's still well played, beautifully sung. Yeah. Do you think they messed up once? Probably. Because, I mean, like, it, to, to us, maybe there, maybe a, a section was off key for half a second. Probably. Like, I know. did notice one of the French horn guys scrambling to uh, fix his slides. During the show, yeah. So um, I'm wondering if maybe he missed, you know, did he miss the part where he had to play or something like that? My favorite tradition, got a couple. First of all, the classic, I stuff my face with mashed potatoes. Coming up. In honor of It is going to be fantastic this year, by the way. Why is it going to be fantastic? It just is. It always is. Oh, okay. All right. I didn't know if there was – are we going to have a sideline report? Are we going to get a national broadcast for this thing? We should tell the news stations. You know, last year we said they were going to get me like a bib and like a suit or something with Randy on it or something with a pig, but I don't think it's going to happen. It's one of those things where you say... It's good in the moment. It's good in the moment, but then it never... And Randy from A Christmas Story. Yes. That's what we're referring to. Yes. Uh, it's it's one of those in-the-moment things. Yeah. 
Another one, I like being Santa. I'm wearing the Santa hat right now. Could be passing the torch a little bit, though. Nah. You don't think so? No. She's not ready for that. Well, no, I'm saying eventually. Last year, Kaya and Ella helped me deliver the presents. They're they my did. Elves. Ella's, a, Ella's not going to be there this that's year. That's true. That's true. So it's all Kaya's to take if she wants it. It's uh, Might have to tell everyone's name three or four times, but... I just licked the microphone by accident. How did it taste? Um, not too good. Okay. Um, I was also going to say one of our favorite traditions is coming up right after the show. Watching White Christmas. Mm-hmm. Bing Crosby. You don't know any of their names. No. <laughs> but they're classics. I'll remember them as soon as I watch it. As soon as you watch it. All right, so let's... Let's get to some sports, huh? So, first of all, Sam, we teased it earlier. Odell Beckham Jr., Josh Norman, Panthers-Giants on Sunday. Panthers, they held on to a 38-35 victory. But everyone's talking about Odell Beckham Jr., how he acted throughout this game. He got suspended one game for – he got three personal fouls called against him. Uh, a, a lot of cheap hits. One was helmet to helmet on a, clearly a play that was targeting. He gets in in the face and, and mouth a, a mouthpiece of Josh Norman. What's your take on this whole situation? <sighs> well, that Odell Beckham Jr. was wrong. He shouldn't have acted the way he sh- he did. Um, he probably should have been ejected from the game. And he's been given a one-game suspension, which he is appealing uh, right now. They think the decision is going to come down by uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. So I think they handle the Odell Beckham Jr. situation right. The league after the game with the suspension. Uh, my problem. It seems like I mean Norman instigated. He's not completely. He's he's not nowhere near as guilty as as Beckham. I mean, what he did doesn't even come close, but there's always two sides to every story. Beckham wasn't just doing all this stuff unprovoked. The thing is, obviously— if you saw The first play of the game, Norman took down Beckham. The thing is— going, During the Giants' first drive, I should say. Going, going into this game, we knew it was ba- it was like a classic heavyweight boxing matchup between these two two guys. We knew because they're both physical guys— they, you know, arguably the best cornerback in the league versus the best wide receiver, all that. You know, and two two players that are that are, are known for being loud mouths and, and, and showing off a little bit. Uh, so we knew that going in. Um, and, yeah, I, and I agree with you in saying that Beckham Jr. should have been suspended for a game. You know, if he was suspended for two games, you really can't complain because he did a lot of cheap shots. I, I don't know if however, two, however, two games would have been steep. There's no precedent for that. However, like you said, Norman – isn't fully innocent here. Like you said, there, there's there's two sides to a card here. To say that Norman is completely innocent when he is just as well-known as Odell Beckham Jr. for their antics and for their flair of and, and, and emphasizing dramatics, to say that he did nothing. I mean, before the game, we saw a baseball bat, you know, and Giants players took that as taunting Odell Beckham Jr. and the team. So, But that's something that now that more stuff has come out, it's reported that they have a baseball bat the defensive backs bring a baseball bat out onto the field before, if not all their games, a lot of their games, and it signals, uh, signifies, it's more of an emblem for them. Uh, we want to lay down the wood, and we want to make the home run plays on defense. So we mentioned Beckham Jr. appealed the suspension. Now, if he wins, now would you rather have Odell, we're both Giants fans, so would you rather have Odell 
say he appeals it and wins it, but then it gets delayed until the first game of the regular season next year. It won't get delayed. It wouldn't get delayed? No. If it doesn't happen, he will not be playing this week against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night. Don't like their chance to get the postseason. No. Um, If you're a Giants fan, you want him to be eligible to play next week, and if they lose, they're officially out. And if the Redskins win, they're officially out. Um, so you'd want them at least around for this week to give your team a chance to stay afloat, you know, get the win. And I mean, you, well, the G- Giants and their fans will know by the time Sunday night rolls around whether or not they're still alive because the Redskins will have played earlier in the day. The Redskins are playing the Eagles earlier on Sunday. Right, because so Sunday night yeah. is the Giants. Um, there is a bit of a precedent for the NFL just giving a fine. If you remember last year in Dominican Sioux, the stop of Aaron Rodgers, you remember that late in the season? Not a helmet-to-helmet. And Sue was initially suspended for a game, appealed, changed to a fine, I believe it was $70,000, and then was still and was able to play in, in the, uh, the first week of the playoffs. Now, not helmet-to-helmet, but a somewhat similar situation. But there was a lot of backlash about that last year. And the NFL has really been backpedaling the last couple years uh, as far as this stuff goes. Ray Rice, uh, Deflategate, just to name a couple. Uh, So I wouldn't be – I I don't have much hope, much thought of this. And it shouldn't be. The appeal should not be overturned. It should stay as a one-game suspension. But you think it's going to get overturned? No, I don't. Oh. I don't have. I don't think it will. I think the NFL's learned from instances like the Indomitian Sioux uh, play last year with Aaron Rodgers, uh, where it will not get overturned. More on the Panthers' side. Are they going to go undefeated, Sam? They're at the Falcons this coming week, and then they're home versus the Buccaneers. Now, when they played the Falcons a couple weeks ago, they blanked in thirty-eight nothing, and then they beat the the Buccaneers by two touchdowns. Can they do it? Well. The Georgia Dome's always a tough place to play for one. And you have a desperate Atlanta Falcons team uh, playing the Falcons, in that game. The Falcons need to They're win. They're currently the seventh in the yep. NFC at 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, So this is a desperate football team. They're going to be going out there, and they're going to have that little extra motivation while the Panthers, you know, will they play everybody for the entire game? If you're Ron Rivera, do you, play, do you let Cam Newton play the full, full, full fourth This quarters? week, yes. What about next week? No. A half. Half. Even so even if the team is even if Cam Newton played the first half and they're trailing by three points at halftime. Next week? Yeah. What does it matter? Well, if you want to keep the undefeated season going, assuming that they beat the Falcons. Wouldn't you rather have the bling? Oh, I would too. But you know, maybe they want to get greedy and get everything. Now, are should we div- should we kinda of devalue this Panther season because the NFC South No is is not all that great. No. They're out, and then they're out of, or their their AFC division they play was the AFC South, arguably, the worst division in football, or is this that's just how it is? Well, you always hear it every year, right? And and this year is no, this year maybe a little differently. I think there's uh, some teams that are just not good this year. There seems to be more really bad teams this year than in the. There's bad parity this this season. But at the same time. The, the sliver is so minute. I mean, you just look at the Giants. They're 6-8. and eight, And how many times have they led or have been tied in the last two minutes of their games this year? They could be 12-2 and two if they cut out the last 75 seconds. Right, so, I game. mean, uh, 
there, there's that aspect to look at where the Giants, they're 6-8. and eight. They need to win out and have the Redskins lose both of their games to have any chance of making the playoffs. Um, should, so, the, should the Giants fire Tom Coughlin? Yes. You think it's time to cut ties with him? I thought it was like two seasons ago. Because it seems like he's getting he gets along with the players. He gets along Doesn't with matter. management or something. Because Do you think he should go? His offense is, is top ten in the NFL. His defense is the bigger issue. He hasn't – they haven't had a good season. They haven't made the playoffs, right, since they won that last Super Bowl? Correct. It's time to go. Bry. He's a good guy, though. He's 69. He's been there for forever now. He's won two rings. At some point, however, your message just isn't getting – However, is it really his fault that the Patriots marched down the field – and, and beat his Giants. Is it his fault that the Panthers marched on the field and beat He's his gone. Giants? He's gone. He should be gone. I don't know. They've had poor management in some of these games. Couple. Who's, who's, who, whose fault is that? I mean, Eli and, and Coughlin. And Coughlin. He's to blame. And, you know, he, he's got to take some of the blame as far as, um, you know, late-game situations. That's stuff you got to work on. But is it his fault that Eli threw it in the back of the end zone? against the Cowboys in week one? Is that really his fault? Because that, that's just Eli not executing. He takes a sack, the clock keeps running. Like, Coughlin can't run out to him and say, hey, take a sack. You think Coughlin should be back next year? It would not surprise me if he's back next year, and I wouldn't Do mind you think it. he should be back next year? I think he should year. be back next Why? year, yes. Because Why? They, they compete. They're competing in games. I mean, it's but they're not winning games. But they're, they're seconds away. It doesn't matter. They're seconds away. It doesn't matter. Look at their records the last I few years. I understand. Look at their records. But, but even two years ago, when they started zero and six, he got the team back and they finished seven and nine that That's year. That's nice. Where'd they finish? Because who 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 would they get? Like I don't know who they would get instead of Coughlin. I don't know if his replacement would be better than him. That's my fear. Is obviously it's a gamble. I mean, you know, who, who if say the it's a good job, people would line up for that job. New York Giants, yeah, but I mean, just I don't know. Would someone come from the, from college football, you know, and, and make the, the leap there? I don't, I don't, I don't think I really, I don't, I wouldn't want a college coach coaching the Giants. Depends like who it is. Eh. Depend Jim Harbaugh. I mean, it won't happen, but I'd take Jim Harbaugh in a heartbeat. I would too. Uh, all right, so let's keep, continue on the NFL. The Chiefs are on an eight-game winning streak, Sam, and they are one game out of the AFC West division. What is it more on the Broncos, or obviously no Pagan and Osweiler, or these Chiefs? They Jamal Charles goes down early in the season, and since then they've rattled off eight straight wins. And Andy Reid is has a team that's in the playoffs right now. Yeah, currently uh, the fifth seed in the in the AFC, and um, well, the fact that they're in the race for the AFC West has a lot to do with the Broncos, but the fact that they're in the playoffs uh, is completely on them and the way they've played. Uh, they were expected to be a good team this year, got off to that really disappointing start. You thought maybe after they lost Jamal Charles, this is a team that's really going to struggle because they don't have that vertical passing game. Um, but the, their defense has been there. Their defense is there. Um and they just find ways to do it. Alex Smith has has played well, nothing spectacular. And Jeremy Macklin has been fantastic for them, the wide a very, receiver. Very uh, good pickup. They they needed a guy 
who could stretch the field. You know, Dwayne Bowie had his moments for them as wide receiver, but uh, was nothing, never a great guy who could stretch the field. Macklin, that speed guy, he can extend the defense. And uh, it's amazing how one guy can make can make such a difference, isn't it? really is. I mean, it's, it's, it's just on the basis of last year, the Chiefs did not have one passing touchdown. Or, uh, uh, excuse me, a wide receiver did not make one touchdown catch last year. And then their best running back goes down. A top five running back, yet they're doing even better. You know, as you mentioned, the defense, Travis Kelsey is a, is a reliable option at tight end. But Chandrick West, their backup running back, has done very, very well. And the defense, Sam, as you mentioned. Um, moving on, the Bengals and the Broncos, Sam, they're fighting for the two seed in the AFC. Now, they're playing each other this week. And it's not an, it's not going to be an Andy Dalton versus Peyton Manning matchup. It's going to be an A.J. McCarron versus Osweiler matchup. Brock Osweiler. Not exactly what you uh, signed up for at the beginning. Hey, but, you know, um, AJ, they've both played pretty well, really. Um, well, McCarron's only played one game, and it was against the Niners. It doesn't mean, I mean it was still. And he played well in that second half after he came in uh, for the injured A.J. McCarron. Did he not? Now he's going up against the Broncos' defense. Right, I mean. Big difference. It is, but it's also a good opportunity for him to – for him to, you know, learn some things before before the playoffs if if he is needed in the playoffs. I mean, Brock, he's completed 70% of his passes this year. He's a guy who, you know, Alabama quarterbacks haven't really produced in the NFL while Nick Saban has been the head coach, but he's played in good games, or in big games, I should say. I mean, he's played in the biggest of big games in college football. So... um the atmosphere, the enormity of the moment, you wouldn't think is going to get to. You know, it, it's not 100,000 people or whatever at, you know, you'd see at Jordan-Hare Stadium where Auburn. You know, he, he's played in these big atmospheres. And, and you, you look at his numbers, 40 of 57 this year. Uh, last week he, he took care of the football, 15 of 21 for 192 yards, uh, threw a touchdown, uh when he came in against Pittsburgh, uh, you know, didn't take many of the snaps in practice because the backups never do. Uh, completed nearly 70% of his passes, 68.8%, 280 yards, two touchdowns, did throw two interceptions. But uh, I think the sliver that you've seen of him gives you hope if you're if you're a Cincinnati fan. And you have to love his confidence after that Pittsburgh game. Uh, saying, you know, this is my opportunity. Tom Brady got in in a similar way. I'm going to do everything I can to essentially uh, take this opportunity and run with it. Can the Bengals win a playoff game with A.J. McCarron under center? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. So right now they are they are the three seed currently, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll be playing the the Jets. They're the uh, the two seed. They are the two seed? Okay. Yeah. 11-3. Uh, and three. Yeah. I mean, um, especially when you look at the – well, you can't say the the Jets are on the outside of the of the playoffs looking in, um, but if everything were to go to form right now, Brian, uh, it would be the Patriots would play the Texans, and then it, would, it could potentially be a, a rematch of the game upcoming this week with the Steelers and and the Broncos. That was a good matchup. Couldn't watch it, but. 
the Steelers came back at home to do. Well, the I'm yeah. It was a, it, well. That's the projected matchup actually in the wild card, and then it would be if the Bronc. It would be rematch games in either sense for the Bengals uh, in that first round. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see what he does moving forward. But right now, you have to feel like um, you can get a win with AJ McCarron. And the good news about Dalton is they said about a month, and if they do get that by, that's that's about a month he's been out. We're going to shift gears now. It's time for Sam's Back on the Radar. They've been off the grid for a while, but now it's time for Sam's Back on the Radar. Okay, so Sam, you have a Back on the Radar, and who is it going to be for this edition of the Sports Buzz Podcast? Well, it's going to be Wade Boggs uh, back into the Boston spotlight. Um, the Red Sox have had a interesting take on retiring numbers, um, and they had never uh, retired Wade Boggs' number despite his fantastic career uh, with the Red Sox, but this May, Wade Boggs is going to have his number 26 retired up there at Fenway Park. Um, it's just something that has been a long time coming, was a, a fantastic hitter with the Red Sox, played for them in that 1986 World Series team, but uh, didn't play the maximum or the minimum amount of time the Red Sox require for a player to have his number retire, but the Red Sox overlooking that. And uh, they're going to retire his number uh, this upcoming season. I think a good move by the Red Sox. And as they should. On May 26th. May 26th, yeah. Same year as uh, his number. And <laughs> I, thought, I saw the quote uh, today in the Hartford Current. A little bit interesting in Paul Doyle's On the Fly. Uh, on the fly. Uh, Sam Kennedy, the Boston Red Sox team president, saying, quote, This is a long overdue acknowledgement of a player who is arguably the best pure hitter in Red Sox history, end quote. And uh, Paul Doyle uh, puts, well, we could start a counter-argument with Ted Williams, uh, but Oops. we're not going to go there. Oops. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, how it, when like a guy like Wade Boggs is – I don't know. You, I feel like you see it in situations like this. Like Wade Boggs, who was a great hitter, is going to get honored, and you, you like overlook past guys. You, like, you just don't even think about a guy like Ted Williams in that instant when you're talking about Wade Boggs. Yeah, when it's Wade Boggs' day, Ted Williams isn't there. You're gonna, yeah. Oh, it's just, oh, he's the arguably one of the best, the best hitter in Red Sox history. I think. Well, there's. Well, if of, he says one of, that's true. If he said the best, that's the difference. But was the quote one of or the? Because he is one of. He's not the best. I mean, Williams is arguably the best hitter of all time. Who is arguably the best pure hitter okay. in Red Sox history? Well, pure hitter. I mean, I've, Williams is isn't your traditional power hitter nowadays. So William, Ted Williams was a pure hitter. Okay. What what does the term pure hitter really mean, though? A, a hitter that gets on base, not doesn't it for power? Kind of like in, like you would say, Ichiro Suzuki is a pure hitter. You is would, he though? He gets, with his swing. Well, I mean, I don't call that a pure. I don't know. It's not say, it's not saying the purest swing. It's not saying the nicest looking swing. I I don't think. Is Vladimir Guerrero a, a pure hitter? You would say he's a power hitter. Yeah, but I but there. No, Ichiro Suzuki is a pure hitter. It's it's. A, a but what what's a pure hitter? Just because you hit for some power doesn't make you a pure hitter. A, pu- a pu- there's a difference. Between, the pure hitter is just a guy that gets on base. He's a slap hitter. But what what's the what if you still hit three whatever for your career? You're still a pure hitter. You're still 
Well, a power hitter is it just simplifies that you're the, when I think, you hit third or fourth in the in the batting order you get. But those it doesn't mean you're runs. not a pure hitter. No, but I mean it's when I think pure hitter, I think smaller guy, I think guy that gets on base, nah. singles, doubles. No. I think leadoff hitters. That's what no. I think a pure hitter. No, I think a pure hitter. If you're gonna hit three twenty nine. With 35 home runs and 110 RBIs, you're still a pure hitter. You're, you're a power hitter, you're a p- but you're both. You're both. I, I think sometimes when you hear a guy like um, like with Babe Ruth, everybody talks about his home runs. Everyone says he's a power hitter, but this is a guy who hit well over 300 in his career. He's more than a power hitter. He's also a pure hitter. He's a good all-around hitter. Home runs are accidents. Yeah. The, the objective for a hitter is to get on it's, base. It's to get a hit. It's to get on base. To get on base, and yeah. That's why I think pure, like, you obviously you can't. You can't Barry Bonds, Brian, he got on base better than anyone in recent history. He was a power hitter. I still think there's 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 a not a difference, no. Uh, all right, so no. you said Wade Boggs. Now let's move on to, let's move on, Sam, to, a couple of free agents that are still available in Major League Baseball as the offseason continues. First of all, we'd like to mention that both uh, Mike Leake has signed a deal and Alejandro Diaz today. Mike Leake will be going to the Cardinals on a five-year, $80 million deal. And then Diaz will be going to the Mets. As Now, the same, that could be a sign that there's no shot at Cespedes. I think we knew that. Mets. We knew that, but it's one of those situations where the longer he stays on the market, potentially, now I'm not saying it's happening because other domino effects like Upton and... and um, well, Noah Syndergaard came out the other day and said he still hopes the Mets bring him back. And he should. I mean, look at, <laughs> yeah. the, look at mean, his offense b- before and after. He cha- It was amazing. They were starting to pick up a little steam before he came aboard. Uh, but, when I mean, when he came aboard and that run he went on... Uh, we haven't seen a player go on a run like that since, well, I guess Manny Ramirez when he went to the Dodgers in that run he had. I mean, the three key acquisitions that the Mets got, Kelly Johnson, Juan Uribe, and Yohan Cespedes, they could be all gone next season, and they're back to where they were on just pitching on June 1st of 2015. And it was, where it was just, you know, they were losing games 3-2, to 4-3. to three. They, just, they just couldn't score. Their pitching, their pitching was there all year, and their pitching is going to be better next year. Because these guys, but you if know, your offense can't score, right? Oh, I know. I think we've talked. We may or may not have talked about this on the podcast, but um, the window for the Mets isn't huge as far as winning a World Series. Because you you look at yeah, they have all these great young arms: Harvey, uh, Syndergaard, uh, Wheeler's going to come back, uh, Mats. Uh, you, you got these guys, uh, Degrom, and you look at the contracts that pitchers are getting. They I can't mean, afford all these. David guys. Price, uh, in his thirties, got a two hundred seventeen million dollar deal. Zach Greinke got a huge contract of over two hundred million. What was it? Two hundred six. I 206, think. Two hundred six. Yeah. Um, they both got over thirty million dollars a year. Now you have three guys, possibly f- what? Well, four or five. You got four or five. I mean. Even a Zach Wheeler who could be, I don't know, a John Lackey type, say. Maybe a little better. Maybe. A, I mean, he got I mean, Lackey, he, Lackey got, he signed a five-year $90 million with the Red. I mean, uh, Jeff Samarja signed a five-year 
Mike Leak. You know, yeah, Leak, $90 million. $80 million. Eight, excuse me, $80 million. So, I mean, you're going to get to the point where, especially those top three guys in Syndergaard, um, DeGrom, and Harvey, they're going to, I mean, what, $35 million a year? Something like that. You I know? mean, it could be a situation where they where they trade them at the July thirty first trade deadline, the year of their contracts over. So it's it's a time where it could be it could be like a Johnny Cueto situation where they get them and and uh, the the Reds they got Corlin or Brandon Finnegan and another player in return. So my point is, you're not going to be able to sign all those guys. So why not, while you have those guys under contract for another handful of years, get a bat who can be a difference maker and just go for it. You know. See, and I'm not and Cespedes to this point because he's proven as more of a playmaker than Michael Conforto, but Conforto will fit nicely into this yeah, best lineup. But, but you do he's need gonna, more power. He, he's going to fit power. in either way. He, is. he can fit in either way. Because Cespedes can play center field. Conforto can play left, and you can have Granderson in right. And Granderson, he's in his third year of his contract out of four. You know? And if the Mets feel like they want to, say, have – uh, Cespedes and left, Conforto, you know, whatever. Um, Granderson's the type of guy, he's a good on-base guy, he gets on base a lot, but he's the type of guy that is movable, right? His contract isn't huge. He has some pop, gets on base. He's the type of guy that theoretically could be moved to another team another contender would take and give up something for. Another guy that the Mets were going after, and maybe with this Diaz signing, they may not get him, is Denard Span. I think this is, if he's healthy, Sam, Denard Span can lead off your team. Well, play. I think they want Lagares to be their primary center fielder. True, which I don't blame him. He's my boy. But and I think Diaz is there just to kind of supplement that. Yeah, because in the in the John Heyman tweet he said that Diaz will play corner outfield and but if you Lagares got Denard center. Denard Spahn, Span Span um well, he's, he's an everyday guy. He, yeah, he he's is. an everyday he's, guy. He's also been linked to the Orioles. Might play right field because obviously he's not going to play center field. Adam Jones is there, um, but there's still some. I, we talked about this the other day. I still feel like there's a lot of good names or a lot of a lot of big names out there, and it's it's already uh, Christmas. Uh, Cespedes is out there. Alex Gordon, the White Sox are interested in him. But Sam, this is a situation for the Royals where if they lock up Gordon long term. They still have guys like Wade Davis, Alcides Escobar, Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer. They're all going to be free agents in 2017. So do you kind of, do you go big with Gordon and sign him long-term to a major, major deal, or do you not sign him? That way you can have more money in the future for guys like I just mentioned, Escobar and Moustakis and so on. Because that's a tough call. Because obviously it is. Well, you, you look want, at it. You want, both, you want all the above. Gordon is going to be 32 by the time. Next season starts. Okay. And, you know, I think you want to try to get some of those those younger guys. And Gordon's on, you know, Moustakis. He's 27. He won't turn 28 until uh, until September of next year. Uh, just You just go down the list. Wade Davis, um, he's 30, but he's a reliever a little bit. You know, um, I think Gordon's the guy you let walk if he doesn't take the team-friendly contract because he's a. He, you look at it, he, you know, he's kind of moving down in that lineup. He's still a great outfielder, one of the best defensive left fielders in the league, but he's not the player he was. You know, maybe he still has a couple good years, but I think you want to try to get those. Well, he was those, injured this year. He was. He was. And he still hit two seventy. Yeah, but he's not. 
you know, he's he's not in the prime of his career. You know, he, he's not in the prime of his career. Uh, some other outfielders, Gallardo Parra is out there. Alex Rios, um, Dexter Fowler, Austin Jackson. Moving on, Sam, with with starting pitchers, Scott Kazmir, Winging Chen, Mark Burley, Giovanni Gallardo, still out there for the taking. Um, Kazmir, it's, it just seems like he could fit with any team. I mean, yeah, you know, he's solid guy. lefty. No, I mean, he was a he was a stud back in those Tampa days. He he, he could fit. I, Speaking of young pitching, when he was on the Mets. <laughs> That's yeah. farm system. They learned from that, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, different people now, but for what? Jose Zan. They actually acquired one of the guys. They acquired Syndergaard from the Blue Jays. Yeah. Who was it? Um, like Jose Zamborano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good trade. Um, I mean, you you got on definitely still some uh some good arms out there. Um, no guys that are gonna make it really. I. No guys that are going to make or break, you know, take your team from nothing to something, but definitely a lot of guys who could slide in there in the third to five spots and be very effective. You were listening to the Sports Brothers Podcast with Brian and Sam Dossler. We've been off for a while, as I've been at school at Eastern Connecticut State University. Sam has been home, and it's a large hassle to do a uh, show via Skype, so... It's been a while again, but we're back here during Christmas break. We'll do a couple shows, and then probably again when I'm home for what I I have April or what's it spring break? There we go, spring break, and then uh, once the, the are you off starts, during the uh, first weekend of the NCAA I don't know tournament? The dates. I don't know the dates because they're playing Providence this year, Brian. The f- the first and second round. This right, it is called the first and second round. It is. We are back to the first and second round. Thank, Thank God. God, right? Man, so confusing. Second round, third round, Sweet Sixteen. It's like, come on! It's 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 ninety five percent of the teams. They're playing games. Yeah, they're playing games. The ones on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, don't make them feel good. Like, <laughs> they know what it is. I know. You don't. You don't need to joke around with it. They're not idiots. When they're in Dayton on March twentieth, they 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 know it's yeah. not because. Yeah. So uh, we'll get to college basketball in a Quick little bit. Quick question on: I was yep. watching some old college basketball highlights the other day. Do you like it better now where they have the generic court for all of them, you know, the black and whatever? Or did you like it, you know, I don't know, five years ago when you saw the different court styles? You know, you, you, you'd play the games in, I don't know, you just, they didn't really change the court. You know, they'd put like the NCAA logo at the middle or something. But it was still, if you were playing at Providence, you'd still have like the Providence stuff down on the court. No, make it. It's it's a neutral site. Make it NCAA. Yeah, but I kind of like seeing the different colors of the courts. It's supposed to be a neutral game, though. But it's it's still a neutral game. I understand that, but it's just not the now, specific on, NCAA on, court. On you know the, what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. On the old court, do they have uh, like the host of of the team on on the? Probably. I don't know, line? but I just like because I like that. I like knowing who hosts it. Like if it's at. The Garden, they have the Celtics logo I just, there. I don't know. I like seeing the different colors of the courts and stuff rather than just the same black all the time. To the NBA, Kyrie Irving is back. He's going to be playing against the 76ers tomorrow. Uh, no. He played over no, the he weekend. he played over the weekend. I was thinking today was Saturday for some reason. Wow. Um, today is Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, in fact. Uh, Irving's back and talking about a load of pressure, to a degree somewhat off LeBron James, 
having his all-star point guard back. Yeah, and you know he hasn't played since he suffered that knee injury back in the the NBA Finals, and um, it's you know he won't come back and he won't be all everything Kyrie Irving. But nice time to come back, especially against the Sixers. Uh, work your work yourself back into the flow. They they didn't bring him back. There were some reports he might come back um, for the game earlier in the week that Cleveland actually won uh, against Oklahoma against State. Oklahoma City, not um, State. Oklahoma City, yeah. And uh, Sam, the Christmas Day uniforms, they've been unveiled for a while, but of course Christmas the Day games are coming up very soon. The Pelicans versus the Heat, Bulls versus Oklahoma City. Cleveland versus the Warriors, Spurs at Houston, the Lakers or the Clippers at the Lakers. Talk about a team that's struggling, the Clippers, huh? Think Doc Rivers is working his way towards that hot seat? He could be. New Orleans as well. Or what about maybe not as a coach, but as a GM personnel type? He's not doing so well since he has to since he's taken on the role of making his own roster. I mean Crawford or Barnes is gone. I mean, it's, I think he's got to get his son off the team, to be honest. I'm not a big Austin Rivers fan. Uh, New Orleans, too, yeah. Disappointing. One, as soon as they signed Alvin Gentry, I, I knew it was a bad signing. Like, to me, it's to put Gentry with Anthony Davis and, and a, a team, a franchise that it's building, and, and they had a stepping stone last year by getting the postseason, I, I just I did not like it. I, I, did, I never liked that signing from the start. I really didn't. Why? Just – Gentry's older. It's a younger franchise. You know, you you want a coach that's going to be there in the long haul, and I'm not sure that Gentry would be there for the long haul. You know, I'm I'm obviously if if any coach did for ten plus seasons and things are going well, but I think you need someone that can relate to these players. I just better. didn't get the firing of Monty Williams. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what 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 do you expect? I mean, they were building with him, you know, and, and that this is exactly what you said. Young coach, 44 years old right now. Uh, he's on the Oklahoma City staff right now. Um, but why, like, why get rid of him? What did he do to warrant being fired? I mean, they hadn't been a playoff team in how long? They got the eight seed, and they played Golden State pretty tough. Uh, it was a game three they should have won. Game three they should have won. They were up big in that game. That's when and that's Curry when Curry hit, hit that crazy three-pointer yeah. in the corner. Um it just didn't make sense. And he also, you know, just reading back on some things and being refreshed a little bit, uh, by all reports, he had a strong relationship uh, with Anthony Davis. And that's the most important part. Yeah. Like, if, you know, and if he gets along with Davis, then you have to assume he's getting along with, with the other players. Well. Right. If, if the he... coach gets along with the star, yes. everyone, all the players fall in line with the star. So, if it's management – you know, suck it up because, like like we said, if if Anthony Davis, a franchise player, an emerging superstar, an emerging best player in the league, if if he likes the guy, then you got to keep Monte Williams. Uh, quickly, and, and just looking back a little further, reading the CSPN.com article, Anthony Davis, um, saying of Monte Williams, quote, he's a great coach and the whole team loves him. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know. It 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 just strange. Let's see. No reward for success. The Pelicans have made six playoff appearances since moving to New Orleans for the 2002-03 season. They have fired their head coach before the end of the following season on four of the occasions. 
Monty Williams fired after the season. They made the playoffs. Yes. Uh, he made the playoffs with them in 2010, 2011, obviously wasn't fired. Byron Scott was fired um, nine games into the uh, season after making the playoffs. Tim, Fo- Tim Floyd and Paul Silas also fired after making the playoffs. All right, well. Um, <laughs> so if you're successful with a franchise that really hasn't done anything and you start to build a little bit with us, you're out the door. You're done. We don't want to make the playoffs, actually. Maybe it's they're, they're like Billy Bean. They're trying to... Say Moneyball works, yeah. but we don't really want to win the World Series. So yeah. it's when we start to get close, How about, I don't think we're going to trade you on a Cespedes. I don't think he's got enough flack for his offseason moves. And, and just, just just letting alone trading away Josh Donaldson and then, yeah, for Donaldson. Brett Lowry. Can and, I then, just say, and then Donaldson wins the MVP. Can I just say... And he was under contract for, what, at least through 17, yes. possibly 18, yes. wasn't it? No, it was 17. <sighs> and, God, thank God. And Seth was under contract until after this season. So you had a Donaldson and... Just thank God. You know, we're both Red Sox fans. We've said it on the show before. Billy Bean, his name was floated around after uh, they got rid of Ben Sherrington. I was just like, please, no. Like, he's not... I don't get it. You build something well, up. No, the difference between Boston and Oakland is, I is know, money. I know it's the finances, but who's to say he wouldn't bring the same money ball attitude here, Brian, I and t- try to win uh, in, in that way, you know? No, it's a good thing he didn't come over here in 2004, or 2000, after the 2003 yeah. season. <sighs> If I'm an Oakland that fan... That movie still annoys me. I don't know how many people it annoys. The movie Moneyball. Why? We've gone over this. They don't mention Tim Hudson. Oh, they okay. don't mention Barry Zito. They don't mention Mark Mulder. One time in the entire movie, they do not mention any three pitcher of those three pitchers. And it was arguably the best starting rotation in all of baseball that year. Barry Zito won the Cy Young. Had more than 20 wins that year. But it was more important to have the daughter-father relationship going on in the, in, the, in the song at the end. That's what that's what brings the movie together when he's driving out of the Coliseum, out of Oakland, and he's listening to that song. And Scott Hatterberg, baby. Yeah. Got to make sure you put him in there. Well, you know, I mean, if that Carlos Pena trade didn't happen. Woo. God, it, it's just, like, how can you? And I didn't realize it until the, the first time I saw the movie, I I was like, oh, this was awesome. This was great. And then I saw it a second time, and I was like, wait a second. Look it up. See why maybe they didn't. Obviously not now, but after the show, and, and see why. I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure someone has asked them why they didn't include. There you, look, at the, in that 2002 season that was featured in the movie, right? That's the year they yep. featured? Yep. Barry Zito. Do you want to Do you want to guess how many wins he had? 22. He was 23-5. and five. With a 2.75 ERA, 35 games, 35 starts, almost 230 innings pitched, had 182 strikeouts. Um, he had a whip of 1.1. It's <sighs> frustrating. Moving on to college basketball, and then we'll end the show with something, bro. Sam. Yesterday, the new top ten or the new top twenty-five, the AP top twenty-five came out and cracking the top ten, Chris Dunn and the Providence yeah. Friars. How they deserve that? it. They, they deserve do. It. Hey, the, you know they had a they had a good year last year, and uh, they're building on it this year. 
Chris Dunn from New London, Connecticut. A lot of good college basketball games today. Today, is it? Yeah, really? yeah. Uh, looking at John Rothstein's t- tweets today, and just a, a lot of good games. Unfortunately, not a lot of them on TV. Uh, Doesn't there, do us much good. There's a good game at 9 o'clock, though. This past Saturday was like the first. It was. It was a very, very good Saturday of college basketball. Those are the best days of the year. Uh, Cal at Virginia tonight at 9. Cal at Virginia. Virginia just, uh, they won at home against Villanova, but Cal's got those two young guys, those yep. two freshmen, uh, Brown and um, Ivan Rad. That sounds right. Uh, North Carolina, they're seventh in the country. Uh, Bryce Johnson was named National Player of the Week. Are you buying into North Carolina? You know I always buy into North Carolina. I know, but like... I love Marcus Page. I know you do, and I think he's a good player, and I think, but... This is their year. If it's not UConn's year, this is their year. Because it feels like they ha- they have a lot of the same guys who haven't really made shots in the past. I mean, they 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 have shown in the last two years that they are a Final Four team. I remember tweeting out. Have I remember they? I remember tweeting out when before they collapsed at Duke, before Ty- Tyus Jones went off and scored nine points in the last minute thirty or whatever it was. I tweeted out and said, "This North Carolina team is a Final Four team." They can play like it. They don't play the full 40 minutes. Sam, I'm like, I, we're we're obviously we're fresh with UConn fans at times. North Carolina, I mean, you, they have studs on that squad. They have stars everywhere, from Kennedy Meeks to Marcus Page to Bryce Johnson to Nate Britt. I mean, Austin. They Jackson. got that senior guard too. Yeah, I mean, they they have a deep deep roster. Here's and, the question: When's the NCAA lay, lay down the hammer on them? For I don't know. Conveniently in May. I mean, no, it'd be like February. I said conveniently. Oh. In May. Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah. So Michigan State, they have yet to lose a game this season. They're twelve and zero. Denzel Valentine is out with. Uh, did we remember what it was? No. No, we didn't. I took a chance. See if you looked it up because I knew I didn't. But he's out two to three weeks now. Good news for Spartans fans. They play. They play Minnesota. They play uh, a couple of their Big Ten teams. If he's, they they basically need him back for January twenty third when they play when they host Maryland, who of course right now they are. They the don't need team. him back. Well, it's it'd be good to have him for against Maryland. He had a very minor surgery. This is according to the uh, Detroit Free Press. Um, he had minor surgery. He had successful arc. Uh, arthroscopic surgery on his left knee. They say minor, but anytime you're dealing with the knee, it's not good. No, hopefully it is minor, because he's he's been he's been playing fantastic basketball, averaging nearly triple double. All right, we're gonna head. Can to- we before we do that though? Um, I just want to. I think this college basketball season, even uh, you know, Michigan State has 64, the 65. Uh, First place votes in the AP. Uh, they have 29 of the 31 in the USA Today Coaches Poll. Even though you, you look at that, I think the Ohio State, the last Ohio State, the last two Saturdays sums up this college basketball season. At UConn, lose by 20, and then on a neutral site, even though it's never really a new, neutral site when Kentucky's involved because their fans travel unbelievably well. They won against Kentucky, who was ranked seventh in the nation uh, at that point. Now twelfth in the nation is Kentucky. Ohio State. They're about a 500 basketball team. Lose by 20 to UConn. Beat Kentucky. Kentucky's not where they're going to be at the end of the year. But that Ohio State two uh, week long stretch, I think, shows 
how much parity there is in college basketball this year. Last year you had those four, five, six top echelon teams. Kentucky, team. you had Wisconsin. Wisconsin, you had Duke, Arizona, uh, teams like that. Uh, who you? I mean, Michigan State was the surprise going to the – but is it really ever a surprise when Izzo goes to the Final Four? No. Um, you had those four, five, six teams where you knew they were going to be there at the end. This year, you don't know. You really don't. You don't. I, mean, I was watching Duke the other day when they lost to Utah. First time I'd really gotten a chance to sit down and watch them. They're small. They don't have many – they don't – they have they have Plumley. Well, no Okafor, obviously. I know, and Jefferson's out Jefferson's with an injury, but out. even him, he's not like a. He's still you. He he's not a he's like six eight. He's a big dude though. He's not huge though. Still, he's not a shot blocker. I'm not saying he's. That, I'm not saying but... he, but he's not like that six ten six eleven guy who's going to clog the middle. You're saying he's not Lamarcus Aldridge. No, I'm just I'm just saying they they're not a big they're not a huge team. No, I agree with you. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okafor is he plays bigger than his size, and he's six eight, six or whatever he's listed at. No, I know, but I mean, they just, they just don't look as. Last year, I watched Duke, and I thought, boy, this is a. Uh, a he's six eleven, Brian Okafor. Okay, six eleven. You said he was six. No, I said Jefferson. Oh, okay, my bad. Emil Jefferson is six eight. Okay. Uh, you, you last year you looked at Duke, of course, with Okafor in the middle, and you're like, this is a big team. This year I look at Duke and I'm, I was like, this is a these guys are it's not that big of a team. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, right? No, yeah. And it's something to keep an eye on this year, I think. It's time for Stump the Bro. It's time to Stump the Bro. Sam, I will go first for this edition of Stump the Bro. Who was now? Okay, so Bartolo Colon just re-signed with the New York Mets, and part of his contract, there is a $50,000 incentive if he wins the Silver Slugger Award in the 2016 season. Obviously, that's a joke, mainly. Or is it? He had a career high in hits, Brian. He did, he did. So maybe it's steroids again. <laughs> but <laughs> if his fastball jumps up to 95, yeah, then then we might get a little suspicious. But as we know, Bartolo Colon, very funny when he takes the bats. His swings are picturesque. Uh, so my question to you, Sam, is who was the last Mets pitcher to win the Silver Slugger? Ooh, that's a good one. Your choices are Johan Santana, Mike Hampton, Steve Traskel, or Aaron Heelman. Heilman. Heilman. <sighs> so Santana, Hampton, Traskel, well, Heilman. This could be a trick question because Mike Hampton was an excellent hitter. I guess based on Mike Hampton and his success, I'm going to go with him. You are correct. In 2000, he hit 274, got 20 hits out of 73 at-bats, and drove in eight RBIs. He was a very good hitter. All right. So we talked about Wade Boggs earlier in the show. They're retiring his number 26, and he hasn't played with the Red Sox since uh, he left following the 92 season, I believe it was. Uh, since then, I almost gave it away in the uh, 
in the way I was about to ask it. How many Red Sox players have worn the number 26 since Wade Boggs has departed? I'm banking that you didn't read on the fly today, did you? I did not. That's good. Okay. Was it one, seven, three, or four? Okay, so seven is probably out. One, it's it's definitely at least one because Brock Holt's 26 this season. And he's changing his number to number 12. Is he? Yes. So, I assume Mike Napoli's on the team anymore. <laughs> he is on the Cleveland Indians. He is on the Indians. Um, and he wasn't on the team. I know. He he was he was a hole in the lineup all year, even when he was in it. Even when he was there. <laughs> except for that one stretch in, in June. Yep. Um, and him so, and Pedroia fixed that thing on the plane, right? Yeah. So, it was... So my choices are one, three, or four because I took seven out. Yes. I'm gonna go three, four. Dang it. Would you like the names? Is it is Carl Everett one of them? He is not. It is West Chamberlain. Okay. Lou Merloni. All right. Yep. And he was a stud. Not with the Red Sox, but after he got traded as part of the Jeff Supon trade. Freddie Sanchez. Freddie Sanchez. Uh, right? Was he part of the Jeff Supon, right? Supon came from P- Pittsburgh, right? Came from the Cardinals. Did he? Are you sure? No, he went to the Cardinals after. He, he came was. from Pittsburgh. I don't really ever recall a, a Jeff Supon in a, a Red Sox uniform. Just in, the, just in the 03 DVD that we have. That's yep. it. Yeah, so Freddie Sanchez, Wes Chamberlain, and uh, Brock Holt, of course, and Sweet Swinging Lou Merloni. Love Brock Holt, the Brock star. Hey, he's been great, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's done it now for two years, and it's a he, he can go out there every day, and with the exception of pitcher and catcher, I feel very confident with him playing any position on the field. He's a smaller he's a smaller size Ben Zobrist. Sure, because he can play everywhere. Yeah, so very valuable. All right, so that's going to do it for today's podcast. We're going to go watch White Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Happy Holidays, to be politically correct. And we'll be back next week for our next podcast. Preview of the college football playoffs. Yep. Boomer Sooner. Let's go. Have you looked at tickets recently? Uh, no. A little something to do with the fact that plane tickets are at least $800. Good drive down there. Yeah, are you serious about that? No. <laughs> going to drive 20 hours. Yeah, I'm going to do halvesies, 10 and 10. Yeah, I'll just drop my mic now. Okay. That's going to do it. It's been a while, folks, but we are back. We'll be back for a couple more episodes throughout the holiday season, throughout my Christmas break, which will be going back around, was it the 18th or something like that, January? Uh, So we hope that you have a great Christmas, and we will talk to you next time.